as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. With some details on the yearly crime report, our police chief in McAllen, Victor Rodriguez. Thanks for joining us, Chief. So, this annual report is who produces this report and what does the data say about McAllen specifically? So the report that, good morning to you all, uh, good, uh, the report that uh, you're referencing is the FBI's annual report, um, and typically what, you know, all, all the agencies that participate in the Uniform Crime Reporting System, and, and, and we have to if we ultimately want to be using uh, federal, what we call criminal justice information systems, so if we want to be subscribers of that, we've got to participate in the Uniform Crime Reporting process. So typically all, our, all agencies that participate in submit their, month, their monthly data, we report our estimate uh, in January of every year. Uh, DPS will compile the state data and release its report sometime around May or June of every year. And then finally, FBI, the, na- the national data is released around uh, September or October, like it was this year. So we're looking at the end result of all 50 state crime data. Uh, it was released uh, on October the 5th by the, by the FBI. That's the final report. We take a look at that and we, we evaluated to see how we compared with our estimate. We took a look at it and provided an analysis of it. Uh, we looked at Texas inf- crime information, for example. In, in Texas, we are one of 26 cities above 140,000 population. Okay. We're the 23rd city in that, in that ranking. So in, in looking at our crime, uh, crime information in, in, that, in that area, that is uh, in cities of 140,000 or more, and looking at simply the uniform crime reported data, we were the sixth lowest in the state of Texas for, our, for total crime. Uh, violent crime, we were the sixth lowest in the state of Texas in that group of 26 largest cities. And then uh, property crime, we were the 11th lowest in that group of of 26 cities. Uh, again, that's the cities in Texas. We are 140,000 population or more. Then we looked at uh, what we call the uh, what we call the border um, basic contrast. We look at our four large border cities in Texas. We do this all the time, uh, and we compare ourselves to let's say the Texas largest inner cities: Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. Fort Worth and Austin, and we compare that to Brownsville, Laredo, El Paso, and McAllen. In that in that in that comparison, uh, McAllen is the lowest, um, uh, the city with the lowest incidence of crime total. McAllen was the lowest in terms of violent crime in that in the, in that group uh, comparison, and in the property crime uh, area, McAllen ranked the lowest as well in those uh, in that nine city comparison. So that is where we came in at. Um, uh, in terms of UCR uh, statistical reporting in that crime report, all of this data is was derived from the f- official final FBI report that you mentioned. And again, we're comparing apples to apples here. It's a per capita ratio yes. that we're looking at. Okay, Victor Rodriguez, our police chief in McAllen, he's got the latest on the annual FBI report on crime. 
Does the FBI report look at counties, Chief? Yes, sir. How yes. does Hidalgo oh, County yes, stack up with everybody else? Because you know, McCown is great, but then you got the western portion of Hidalgo County, and you got some incidents out there that might be dragging the numbers a bit for Hidalgo County. Well, there, there is a report by counties. I, I, I did not do the uh, the county analysis for us. Uh, most of the cities that we that we compare ourselves to in, in terms of the region are by city and within the county. But I will say this: that the trending, and if you recall, at the end of 2021, McAllen reported its 20, I'm sorry, its 13th, that is 13th consecutive annual crime volume reduction and crime rate reduction. In other words, 13 years in a row we've been uh, we've been reporting decreases, which is outstanding. At the end of 2021, we had the lowest crime in the last in the last 37 years uh, at McAllen. That is 37 years ago, we had more more crime reported in McAllen than, than we did at the end of last year. So what I'm trying to tell you with regard to the county, and this is consistent, I didn't do a, a county analysis in the this FBI report, but I've done it before. And the trend downward in terms of crime holds across South Texas and it holds across Hidalgo County. So we have had crime reductions of similar trends in the entirety of Hidalgo County. That anti-gang unit that has offices there on Pecan, is, is that still up and running, Chief? Yes, sir. It has turned out to be quite a project for us. It is a project, a two-part project. One is what we call the Intelligence Center. That is basically the analyst area. We've got 20 analyst stations working there for the entirety of both Hidalgo County and Cameron County agencies. Uh, And then we have the TAG itself, which is about uh, 12 to 14 different agencies that have personnel staffing that that particular center. Um, It it has created... um, great effectiveness and great efficiency in the work that we do. Um, it, it's just, uh, you know, um, we will, I don't see us ever going back to what we used to be before. Ha, the has it led to busting up some gang activity? Has it led to busting up some criminal rings or coyotes or something to that? Well, you know, at the end of, at, what, at the end of, at the end of the day when we, and, uh, you know, for the lack of saying it another way, at the end of the day, when we look at when we look at people committing crimes, we identify individuals that commit the crime as opposed to a gang. We we can arrest individuals, we can't arrest gangs. Are are many of the individuals that we necessarily identify in the process gang members? Absolutely. You know, uh, we had an incident uh, uh, or two or three that, that involves them to multiple multiple arrests. So. Um, the short answer to your question is yes, but the the object always is to identify an individual, not not a gang. We can we can charge an individual, we can arrest an individual, and we can bring charges against that person. Uh, 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 a personless name, a gang name, is not some something we can work with. Victor Rodriguez is our police chief in McAllen. We're talking about the annual uniform crime report data recently provided. These are 2021 numbers, as you explained, Chief. Uh, is there any way to yes, gauge how 2022 is behaving so far this year based on the data at your desk? So, you know, in, in our current estimate right now at the end of, um, at the end of August, um, we're, we're thinking that we might, be able to, we might be able to claim 14-year consecutive reductions. Um, so we're 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 on the fringes uh, being able to do that, but uh, you know you don't we don't ever want to count our chickens before they hatch, so to speak. So we're not going to do that. So, but that is where we stand right now. Where there is um, there is a slight possibility that we may be able to do uh, 14 years in a row. 
Thank you, Chief. Our police chief in McAllen, Victor Rodriguez. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids. They're running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it, it's free. And we say good morning again to our friend Pete, Pete, Pete Alvarez with our local text doc office. Let's start with all the road shutdowns, overnight shutdowns, lane movement left and right. Status report on some of the bigger exchanges and highway projects we have right now. What's the status and when are you going to be opening up some lanes again, Pete? Uh, good morning, Sergio. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Uh, we continue to work on the on the interchange project and I highly encourage for each and every one of you to log in via social media, Facebook, Twitter, get an email. Uh, there's many, many lane closures that happen, especially during the nighttime. Uh, there's areas that, that are shut down in order to move equipment, remove uh, parts of the old bridges, install parts of the new bridges. Lots and lots happening. Uh, we anticipate that this phase of construction uh, where we have the two reroutes if you will uh going southbound whether you're going to east or the west direction that reroute shall continue probably through the month of april of 2023 again, we're talking completed. about the far interchange right pete that's what we're talking about the the far interchange yes sir right. far, the far, yes, far sir. interchange yeah. and then once that's completed uh, in april we'll begin the last phase of that uh which is going to be direct connector that comes uh, westbound to north uh, that is, is expected to be completed in October of 2023. Substantial completion, October 2023, full completion in December. That's what uh, we're anticipating. Okay, so we've still got another full year of all the the traffic yes, snarls. Uh, as as far as on the safety side, has everything gone uh, you know, pretty much as expected? Everything okay? The work is okay? People slowing down at the construction areas? Uh, yes, uh, we sincerely appreciate people slowing down, observing the warning signs. Uh, in many cases, avoiding the area. If, if you can mm-hmm. avoid the area and, and minimize, uh, if you will, being uh, stuck in, in all that construction uh, traffic, uh, we highly encourage that. Uh, people have already started to change their driving patterns. At least that's what we are observing. There have been some minor accidents, but all, most of these accidents, I'm not going to say all, but most of these accidents are minor fender benders where people are a little distracted and, and may have tapped somebody from behind and things of that nature. Uh, but when all is said and done, uh, we've had a very successful uh, safety record. If they do have that fender bender where, you know, traffic suddenly stops and <laughs> they slam into each other, would you recommend? Right. Uh, I I don't know. Look, this might be a, more of a question for law enforcement, but if they can, would you recommend that they just get off the freeway because it's been limited down to one lane or two, uh, or should they stay there and clog traffic for the next hour as they wait for a police unit to take the report? We 
Yeah, we've had uh, those conversations with law enforcement. Yeah. If they're minor fender benders, uh, our recommendations: take a real quick picture, take a picture of the license plate, take a picture of the location, and pull off. That way, you don't cause a a further delay and rubberneckers may be even causing another accident. Yeah, uh, we continue to work with law enforcement to try and clear those accidents. Worst times of the day, of course, rush hour, morning, exactly, and, and evening. Pete Alvarez uh, with TechStot joining us on KURV. Yeah, Pete Tim Sullivan here. TechStot's been promoting of late uh, a number of safety programs, not just uh, focusing on on the big interchange and what drivers need to do there, but just in general. Can you recap uh, some of the more recent safety programs, some of the uh, programs you've talked about this year, and uh, programs that are coming up? Just you know, like I say, just just in general. Yeah, big picture, click it or ticket, buckle up. Uh, DWIs, drive sober, get a ride. Uh, just a couple of weeks, well, last week, uh, I did an interview regarding fatalities in our highways. And it's been uh, since November 7, 2000, yeah. that we have not had a deathless day on Texas highways. Stop so the we're streak. trying to end the streak. Mm-hmm. End yep. the streak. Yep. That's something that we are continuing to push. Uh, right now, in, in uh, throughout the state, in, and that's no different here in the Valley, speeding, distracting driving, driving under the influence. These three factors uh, are the majority uh, that, that cause fatalities on our roadway. Here in the valley this morning, I got the update at 6 a.m., we've had 103 fatalities so far here in the valley. Uh, we had 133 last year. On average, that means 11 fatalities per month. And that's just not acceptable, folks. We have to own it. We have to take responsibility. We have to give ourselves time to get to a destination. We have to plan our routes. We have to slow down. All these things play a role. We have to take full responsibility. We have to own it, and we have to get this message to our family and friends and loved ones to, to, for them to realize we have control. We, cannot, we can do all the law enforcement, all the engineering, all the education, public service announcements. If you don't own it, if you don't take responsibility, this streak is going to continue. God forbid it be a loved one. Yeah. What was the date, the anniversary date of the last fatality free day on on texas roadways what was that date november 7th 2000 2000 so we're approaching 22 years yeah and that's just not acceptable it's unbelievable one fatality is one too many and what's interesting that uh, even during the massive slowdown with from covid a lot of people off the road we still continued right we still continued it actually street. got worse, uh, believe wow. it or not. I guess there was less people on the highway, so people started speeding a little bit more. They felt like they owned the, the, the road, and that's when things happen, wow. when people get distracted or not focused on the task at hand. The task at hand when you're on the road is to drive. Everything else you need to put away. Put away the hamburger, put away mm-hmm. uh, the makeup, put away you know, flipping through this or through that. You need to focus on the task at hand, and that's to drive. Our far district engineer, Pete Alvarez joining us on the morning news. Any other updates you want to give us on contracts that have been approved or projects that are about to start? For example, the uh, the interstate uh, on roads that connect us to the river and the bridges, Mid Valley Relief Route, uh, I do or anything north of us on seventy seven and two eighty one. So, uh, real quickly, we we were approved for two point five billion dollars. Uh, that's two point five with a B. A billion dollars for the next 10 years here in the Rio Grande Valley. Currently, we have over $1 billion under contract and construction. We're wrapping some of those projects up, but we're going to be landing another $1.6 billion 
over the next four years. Construction is not going to stop. The demands in our system are, are, so, are such that we'd have to continue to push. Uh, many roadways, uh, US 77, US 21 are some of the major roadways. Uh, US 83 going out to Stark County and Zapata areas is, is also in, in the books there. So there's a lot of projects that have been identified. Working with our local partners, the, the Hidalgo County and Cameron County RMAs, obviously the EMPO, we're all working together to deliver the transportation system. With the Ansel Lewis Bridge going full commercial in just under a year, Donna with uh, hopes and dreams of going full commercial in about 24 months, and of course you got the commercial bridge at FAR, they would always love to see uh, fatter roads all the way to the interstate. What can you tell me about projects that fatten up those roads, prioritize those roads for commercial traffic? So that's a great great question. Uh, Toll 365 is a project being done by the Dallas County RMA. That's underway. That basically goes east and west from the Anzaldúas Bridge to the Far International Bridge. Uh, International Bridge Trade Corridor, IBTC for short, is being currently being developed as well. That'll provide uh, some relief in getting most of the trucks off the, the FM roadways, the Jackson Roads, the McCalls, 10th Street and such, and putting them on, the, on this truck route, if you will. But then it, is, it doesn't stop there. We will we have projects identified for military highway to provide better connectivity, and then expansion of these north-south corridors. The, the whole idea here is to try and get trucks off of these FM roadways that have schools, commercial businesses, and things of that nature, thus separating truck traffic from regular vehicular traffic. Pete, as always, thank you for your time. Pete Alvarez, our Far District Engineer, uh, TaxDot. Your Houston Astros play here. And he drives this one up the middle. That's a base hit. Catch Astros baseball action all season long on News Talk 710 KURV. Deep to left field. Kiss it goodbye. Every hit. Every home run. First pitch and he drives it. Left field. Good one. It's out of here. Astros baseball is powered by FNT Valley Motorsports, Riverside Development Services, MissionIncredible.com, and News Talk 710 KURV. listening to the best of the valley's morning news here's sergio in the event there's a tropical system in the gulf of mexico churning this way you want to keep it tuned to 710 kurv stay informed during hurricane season tropical coverage 2022 on air and online at kurv.com made possible by mike's plumbing electrical and ac vega roofing mcafee insurance and elephant building materials our guest this morning is Colette Adams, Deputy Director of our Gladys Porter Zoo at Brownsville. We appreciate you setting aside some minutes with us today, Miss Adams. And congratulations, by the way. Happy birthday to our beautiful zoo in Brownsville, north of 50 now. So let's start from the beginning. Right. From your perspective, if you could just give me the thumbnail sketch, the history, the name, the assets on the ground at our zoo. What, what can you tell me? Certainly. The Gladys Porter Zoo was is the result of a vision of of the woman who whose name is in the title Gladys Porter. Gladys was the daughter of Earl C. Sams of the J. C. Penney Corporation, and at the time that the that she decided to build a zoo in Brownsville, she was the chairman of the board of the Sams Foundation. So 
Gladys had a deep love of wildlife and wild places, and she became concerned that after traveling throughout places like Africa, India, and Asia, that a lot of animals that were plentiful at one time would soon be extinct. And so her vision was to build a zoo in Brownsville that was going to be a safe place for critically endangered species of wildlife and a, and a breeding center for those species. In the late 60s, the plan for the, for the zoo began and construction was complete and the zoo was opened in 1971. So it was built and stocked by the Earl C. Sams Foundation and then given to the city of Brownsville. And so a lot has happened since those days. I, I should say here that the zoo won awards for its unique design. In 1971, that was built entirely without bars or cages. Okay. So it had this unique open air design that most modern zoos today have emulated. But there are a lot of things that has happened in the last 50 years. The standards for keeping animals in zoos has changed tremendously, as have people's understanding of what, what animals need when they're kept in human care. We are facing a well-informed public that is accustomed to seeing wild animals in large and open spaces, and uh, the perception of zoos as necessary as they are, because there are a few wild places left, um, is that they are equivalent to an animal jail. And accordingly, the standards for zoos have changed tremendously. And so what used to be all right for a lion, say the standard in when the zoo was built of 900 square feet to exhibit lions, has changed to 10,000 square feet. The footprint of the zoo is only so big we sit on on under 30 acres and we are either and we need to expand the facilities for our animals and make the zoo a compelling place for people for families for children to visit we're hoping to draw more and more people to our community while we entertain inspire and attract a broader demographic of people. And that's where we get to our 50 year, at the turning point of our 50 years, it's time for us to buckle down okay. and make some changes we and look for the next 50 years. Colette Adams, the deputy director for our Gladys Porter Zoo. We're starting the day with some birthday cake this morning as we say happy birthday to Gladys Porter Zoo. Now, for the next 50 years, what's the vision? What's the grand design? Well, the grand design for the zoo, but we have we have two different designs. We have ex we have improvements that we'll make within the zoo's footprint, and we probably should talk about that first and foremost because that that can actually happen hopefully within the next ten years. And we're super excited about this plan, and it includes developing and and bettering facilities that we already have at the zoo and include some exciting new features. So let me talk about the first thing that we're probably going to do, which is our new and improved Lion Savannah exhibit. In the old days, we had elephants at the zoo, and they were almost exactly opposite from the, they were on the back end of the zoo, at the farthest distant point from the entrance. People used to walk all the way to the back of the zoo just to see the elephants. 
And just as all of the animal standards changed, that area became unacceptable for elephants. It's a lot of concrete. It's admittedly uh, underutilized space. It currently houses some camels. So we're going to redevelop that into an exciting, immersive lion exhibit so that we can exhibit an entire pride of lions, a male, a female. And when they breed, their cubs can live out there with them. And so there'll be some some outcroppings in there that are completely surrounded by glass so that people can actually embed themselves partially into the lion exhibit. We really look forward to that, and we look forward to having that focal point on the far side of the zoo. Next to that, we're going to develop what used to be the, the elephant barn, no longer needed anymore, into a nocturnal house where creatures of the night will be exhibited in an air-conditioned space because if you've visited the zoo on a hot summer day, you know that about the time you get halfway through there, you're ready to cool off. And That's so we're, we're really excited about that addition as well. One of the first things that we're going to do, and this is already underway, is we are going to install a Soaring Eagle zip line that extends from just behind the gorilla exhibit at the front of the zoo, almost due north to behind our Galapagos tortoise exhibit. And what this zip line will do is you will sit in a two-seat fiberglass chair and raise up to above the treetops 150 feet high and go across the zoo over flamingos, the rasaka, the, you'll be able to see the gorillas, the orangutans. You'll be able to see a large part of Brownsville and possibly even into Matamoros. And that ride will stop at a pole that's 150 feet high. Then you'll return. At the end of your trip, you'll be going about 35 miles an hour back to the starting point. Very nice. Very nice. I'd like to see if that zipline goes over the uh, gorilla exhibit, see if the gorillas maybe make a jump, see if they can catch it on the way by. Well, actually, uh when we were laying that zipline out, we had to actually look very closely at our gibbon exhibit. Okay. Because we were afraid that the cables that the zip line ran on would go too close to the palm trees in the Gibbon exhibit. We wouldn't want them hitching a ride. Oh, yeah, I would imagine. Make for some interesting selfies, that's for sure. Colette Adams, Deputy Director of our Gladys Porter Zoo, Grand Vision for the next 50 years. The retrofit, when do you think everything will be renovated and improved? We're hoping that within the next 10 years, we will make significant progress toward achieving some of, of, the, of the different phases of development. We're going to do it in phases. We can't tear up the whole zoo at the same time. Yeah. And it's phased appropriately along with a financial plan that helps us build income, build revenue, and give us time to raise the money so that we can do one phase after the other. So the first phase which is already underway, and we hope to open it in the spring of 2023, will be this zip line, which, and we're hoping nice. that, it, nice. that it draws in a demographic that is currently semi-untapped, and that is teenagers. And then after that opens up, we will begin working on the lion exhibit. And just after that, and perhaps concurrently, we'll be developing an area of the zoo which is called La Huasteca, so that we can move the animals that are presently residing in our small world, which, which includes the area where children can interact in a contact yard with, with um, African pygmy goats. We're hoping to relocate those animals 
only temporarily, well, some of them permanently, so that we can redevelop small world. And we're super excited about that part. So our Zoom is 90% self-supporting through our gate sales. Okay. And so we are the largest tourist attraction in Brownsville. But most of the people who come to Gladys Porter Zoo hail from Brownsville and the Rio Grande Valley. And so we, we are hoping to reach far beyond. We're hoping that our master plan will develop a, a destination point for the city of Brownsville. That zip line makes a lot of sense. It will be quite a shot in the arm when it comes to being a revenue source. We'd like to help in any way in your future as we continue to expand and renovate at our zoo. Follett Adams, our deputy director for our Gladys Porter Zoo. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. You know how that saying goes, elections have consequences. And you can just imagine folks on the uh, international trade front. Logistics, manufacturing, energy, all those issues that will be tackled by future lawmakers. Keith Patridge with McAllen EDC, my guest. And tell me about this webinar you got in a few days, Keith, where you'll be tackling the issues post-election, how the uh, election and political river might be ebbing and flowing after you know this midterm. Yeah, we're having uh, – thanks – Sergio, for let me uh, talk a little bit about it. Uh, On uh, October 26th, from uh, 9 to 12, uh, we will be hosting the USMCA In the Moment, which is a seminar. It's a little different than what we've had over the last several seminars, where it was just really focused on uh, trade issues and customs and border protection issues. And we're now really getting into... Uh, a much wider expanse of what we're covering. We'll be uh, talking about, uh, we have guest speakers, a number of guest speakers. Uh, We'll be talking about the present and future economic and political outlook for both U.S. and Mexico. Uh, We'll be talking about the international labor market conditions under USMCA, which is a big issue. And then import-export, supply chain considerations. And then we'll be also be talking about real estate market and the current trends that we're seeing in the real estate area. That's good. That's good. And uh, it should be, we have a lot of really good speakers. Uh, we have uh, attorneys. We have uh, economists. Uh, we have real estate experts. And, uh, of course, trade experts that will be speaking. USMCA in the moment webinar, October 26, 9 to noon, as, 9 to noon, as presented by McAllen EDC. Uh, heads up, everybody in manufacturing and business in the area. How do they sign up, Keith? 
Uh, they can register on our website. That's www.mcallenedc.org uh, backslash in the moment. And uh, if they have a problem, they can call our office at 956-682-2875, and we'll be happy to walk, walk them through it, the registration. And ask for you specifically, right? I want to speak with Keith Patrick. <laughs> He's going to walk me through this. They thing. can, yeah. but anyone here in the office can help gotcha. them. All right. So if I should be out. Keith Patrick, McAllen Economic Development. Uh, we've con- just concluded another fiscal year. Maybe you can share some numbers with me. But first, I wanted to ask you about uh, prospecting on the prospecting front and repatriation. What do you see? Sure. What do you hear? What's promising for us to bring from China back to Mexican shores or U.S. shores and even here in the Valley? What do you see? Well, you know, even though the U.S. global or the U.S. and global economy is kind of everybody's talking recession mm-hmm. and downturn, uh, we're seeing really a very strong uh, activity from companies looking at establishing new operations here. Um, we typically run between 25, 35 companies that we're working at any one time, and uh, those tend to be getting larger on what we are seeing. And uh, and so uh, we're very active right now. A lot of movement seems to be taking place, and uh, we're real optimistic that this uh, coming fiscal year is going to be a very good one. Industries that we might see expand in the area are some of them medical. Uh, I think you'll, yeah, I think you'll see a lot more tech companies. Uh, I think you'll see. Um, uh, uh, tech companies that traditionally big names that you will have recognized. You'll see a lot more green energy companies as well, I think, because of the focus on green energy and solar and wind and and uh, chip production uh, and medical production. I think you're going to see a lot more of those higher tech, higher paying jobs uh, that are looking at this area. When you say this area now, that could mean Reynosa, or it could mean McAllen Mission Edinburgh. So do we see some of those high-paying jobs Actually, on our we're side? Seeing, we're seeing a lot of them that are on the U.S. side. Excellent. And a lot of that is really coming from the legislation that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, encourages the development like of green energy. A lot of that requires U.S. content. And so that's why, number one, they're looking at the border, and number two, why the U.S. is becoming uh, uh, very attractive for a lot of these companies. Keith Patrick, McAllen Economic Development, and thank you for the heads up on the chip manufacturing outfit headed to the McAllen area. You gave us about a year ago. Uh, back then, you told us about a, it was about a, a year to maybe a year and a half away. So what can you tell me about the chip manufacturer? Are they getting ready to the, the, move some earth? It's uh, it's moving forward. Uh, as I had mentioned to you, you know, it takes a while. Uh, we had some unique issues that we had to deal with the site that they were looking at, but that is right on track. So everything is still on track and we're moving forward with it. And uh, we look forward to hopefully soon uh, being able to... Uh, uh, make a big announcement in the okay. groundbreaking. Well, it's good. It's moving forward. I uh, just want to make sure none of this was derailed, and yeah, I just want to make sure that we put no, some no. chips around here. Good. 
But, no, uh, it's it's still moving forward, and uh, it looks good. And the beautiful thing about this is one leads to the other. It's like dominoes, right? They, they bring in support services and other companies and other industry as a result. So hopefully we get some good energy from this fiscal year results. Uh, top of mind, what can uh, yeah, you tell we, me? Well, right now, and of course these are still tentative, but it looks like we, uh, for the last fiscal year, we have 13 new companies. Uh, what's interesting is that 10 of them are on the U.S. side and three are in Mexico. Nice. Uh, in total, 2,700 jobs, uh, 1,388,000 square feet of uh, manufacturing space, and over $200 million of capital investment. Now, we don't have the expansion numbers yet uh, for the last fiscal year, but uh, they are uh, pretty extensive. Uh, we have what we're seeing in, in Reynosa in particular is just about every company is expanding. And on the U.S. side, we have a number of companies that are also expanding. And a lot of the Reynosa companies uh, are now uh, bringing manufacturing operations or support operations into the U.S. side or are looking at doing that. And we should be making an announcement here very soon on one of those companies that uh, is expanding manufacturing on the U.S. side. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the update, Keith. Keith Patridge, President McAllen Economic Development. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.